Oh my God, it's Thursday. We are we are climbing through this week, beautiful people. I'm Babs Rose Ivy. Welcome to Love Babs Log Talk. Good morning, Harry. Good morning, Paul. So we have a special guest at 9.15 uh, because there is a symposium going on at the Yale Law and Racial Justice Center um, today, uh, today and tomorrow. And I, I wanted to get her in so she could tell me about it. Um, Kayla Vincent, who... Uh, along with uh, James Foreman, head up the Racial Justice Center. And so they are putting on a symposium called Facing Life, featuring uh, the Visiting Room Project. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to read all this so I can't see, unless I put it right up on top of me. Uh, the vis Featuring the Visiting Room Project. And uh, and, and the, 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 the theme of this is each of us has the power to disrupt mass incarceration. So it's a two-day uh, event about what it means to face life in prison without parole, how advocates are working for change in Connecticut and Louisiana, and what you can do for your incarcerated neighbors. So she's going to come on in about, I don't know, five minutes to talk about this. And they got an amazing lineup of people uh, to talk about this. And it is impression, impression. It's a wonderful impression. So um, I, I'm excited. I'm hosting a, a walking tour today, but I don't know how much walking we're going to do today in 30 degree weather. Uh, but I think we're going to end up at uh, at the Judge Motley uh, exhibition at the Q House at the uh, Tony Window and Tony Hart Museum, which is up on the second floor. And if you hadn't had a chance to see the exhibition curated by Frank uh, Mitchell, then you you are really missing something. And for those of you all who grew up in that area to see uh, the Elmhaven um, uh, projects uh, in its earlier days um, is an amazing thing. So anyway, uh, so she's going to come on and talk about that. And I'm excited because there is so much um, that they're going to have going on. And you can register. Um, I don't know. I think if Harry could probably put the link up. I don't know if I put the link up or I put up the registration link. It's a Google Doc because uh, I couldn't ever get the the photo of the, the thing off, the, the actual photo of the symposium. I don't know why I could never get it. It kept every time I touch it, it would send me right to the to the um, Google Docs. But uh they got a whole agenda starting tonight. Uh, it kicks off tonight at uh, six thirty at the at the uh, at six o'clock, I believe six o'clock or so, at the Afro Am Center. Uh, and they're going to be uh, it's a it's a introduction to the visiting room project at six thirty to eight o'clock at the Afro Am Cultural Center. And then if that's if that don't get you uh, tomorrow morning from ten to eleven, which is Friday at fifty three Wall Street Auditorium post-conviction legal advocacy and the role of jailhouse lawyers. And I know the folks on this panel and I, I wish I could get over there uh, to see that because that that is going to be some good panel. And then the third panel tomorrow is mass incarceration, racial injustice and opportunities for relief. That is uh, uh, tomorrow at 1115 to 1215. I may try to make that. I think I could probably make that. And the fourth panel is the community support for those confined in jail and prison. And that's going to be at Next Haven from 6 to 7 at uh, on Henry Street. Y'all know where that is. And then the fifth one uh, is going to be back over there at Next Haven at uh, 730. Uh, we all have a role to play disrupting mass incarceration. So uh, I hope that y'all 
uh, can check it out. I've been sending it around as best I can. And uh, uh, I think you will uh, appreciate it. So uh, I think you will appreciate it. And uh, the visiting room project is uh, uh, videos and archives of incarcerated people talking about their lives and what that means. So, uh, so if you had not, if you want to be moved or you want some inspiration to 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 work on this mat on these matters, uh, get over to the to the Facing Life Symposium. Uh, it kicks off today and then runs all day tomorrow, and you won't be disappointed. And it's not just for lawyers. You don't got to be a lawyer. You don't got to be a law student. You could be somebody who works in this in this arena. Uh, and they've got a, some local folks, Tahiba Bain, Barbara Fair. They've got some folks um, working on this. So, so yes. So anyway, uh, she'll be on in a few minutes and we'll have a good conversation about uh, why this, why now, and, uh, and why this is important. Uh, I know why it's important, but I, I want her to tell y'all. <laughs> so <laughs> it's cold this morning in the Elm. Ah, we was enjoying some good weather and then booyah. So uh, so I don't know if we'll get some word on the street. We might get some word on the street, like 10 minutes to uh, 10 minutes to 10. Uh, and then I've got uh, at 10.15, I've got Janet uh, Galliet, Garcia Galliet coming on. Uh, she is the author of, um, uh, uh, what is the name of her book? It's right in front of me. Ugh. You know, I just have so many tech issues all the time. But let me let me let me let me go look at this one more time. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say, um, uh, hidden mothers. Uh, let's see. Let me just pull it up. I could tell you myself. But anyway, uh, she is a professor over at University of New Haven. And uh, I'm looking forward to having her on to talk about her book. I had a conversation with her at Possible Futures. We had a Sunday salon and uh, and she was, uh, it was just a wonderful conversation about uh, women who come out of prison and, you know, trying to sort of move through these waters as mothers, as women. So, um it's a really, really good book. Oh, shoot, I have it right here. What is wrong with me? Here we go. <laughs> Invisible Mothers, Unseen Yet Hypervisible After uh, Incarceration. I have the book right here. This is my signed copy. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm just waiting for uh, the good Kayla to, to log in. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So. That'll be wonderful. That will be wonderful. So anyway, 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 anyway. So yeah, um, the weather is a little unsettling because it's cold and some places got a little bit of snow and it's icy outside. So be careful if you put your feet out there on the ground and uh, let's see what else is happening. Um, it's Thursday. Thank God. <laughs> I I got a I got a uh, I had a wonderful time with the uh, with the brothers of Omega Sci Fi Fraternity Incorporated last night. They um, 
they dedicated and devoted a whole panel uh, to sisters, the brothers of Epsilon Iota Iota. So I got to facilitate a, a panel of women who I adore and admire. It was a wonderful, rich conversation from 6 to 7.30. Um, we covered a lot of things around leadership, celebrating Black women in leadership. Uh, and it was a wonderful conversation. And, you know, for the last two nights, I have done some amazing talking to some amazing women. Uh, so I am quite pleased. And uh, it's been a, a it's, it's been what I do. I have some other news, but I don't want to share it just yet. So I, I got to wait. I'm going to wait. Although I said yes. I got some other news, but I said yes. So anyway, um, I said yes, and I'm excited to say yes. <laughs> And it's it's 2024 news, but I don't want to talk about it yet because I need some other things to fall into place, and uh, and then I'll then I'll just tell everybody. Oh, here's Kayla now. So I'm excited to talk to Kayla Vincent this morning. Uh, this is a real real treat. This is a real real treat, and I'm so glad that she was able to uh to get on this morning because this is this is a big deal. So. Let me uh let me let let me let her get herself situated as she is logging in. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Are you ready for the day? I am ready, ready, and very excited. It's been a long time coming. We've been working on this for several months now. Oh my gosh. So the Yale, the Yale Law and the Racial Justice Center, which you run, you run the Racial Justice Center. Is that what you do? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Along with the uh the Yale Access to Law School Fellows, wrangling this cast of characters. But you are, you run the, the Racial Justice Center, uh, and you're putting on this symposium called Facing Life, featuring the Visiting Room Project, which I don't know the Visiting Room Project. Yeah, it's pretty new, actually. So this event is part of their like launch of telling people around the country about their work. Um, it's been in the making for over five years. They, you know, they've interviewed um over a hundred folks who are incarcerated at Angola in Louisiana. Um, and the goal is really to make sure that more people can have face-to-face -face interactions with folks who are incarcerated. We know, you know, a lot about being locked up means that you can't really even talk to your own people, especially if you're far from home and people aren't able to get to you. And so this was meant to be a way to try to disrupt that. So you can go to their website. Um, and you can watch the hour long interviews with over a hundred people talking about their stories. Well, you, you've got a, you've got a lot to unpack here, right? I mean, you've got a lot going on in the, in these panels and it starts with the visiting room tonight, the introduction to the visiting room project, um, featuring videos from the project's archive. That's the six thirty to eight o'clock at the, the Afro Am Center. Yes. Yes. And, and the panelists are, and you're moderating this, Kayla, which I know you know, but <laughs> with uh, Calvin Duncan, Marcus uh, Con Condacar, and uh, the TVR uh, co-founders, Daryl Waters and TVRP. So tell me, when you put this together, what, what was your initial thinking? Tell me how you planned this. Like, what, what did you want to have in this? Because uh, there's a lot you could unpack, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it really, we wanted to have a conversation, even though their work is based in Louisiana um, at Angola Prison, which, which has more people serving life without parole um, than any other place in the United States. Um, and, and as some folks may know, the, the prison at Angola quite literally sits on the site of a former 
plantation at Angola. Um, and is the folks incarcerated there are mostly people serving life and um, about 75% or more are, are black men. Um, and I think a lot of times we think about problems of mass incarceration and some people's minds immediately go like to the South, right? As a place that has a, this history and that's where the main problem is. And there are a lot of ways where a lot of things that the project is trying to do are, are, are happening right here at home in Connecticut, right? And so trying to have a conversation where folks who are trying to do something and, and be in solidarity and be in a community with folks in Louisiana can have conversations with people doing that work right here in New Haven and in Connecticut was really the goal um, to bring more attention to the work of the Visiting Room Project, but in a way that's really connected to like local work that's already happening right here and helping people figure out ways to get plugged into that work. And I, and I love that you said that, Kayla, because uh, you've got some local folks starting tomorrow mm -hmm. and people who I know admire and adore, Tahiba Bain, Barbara Fair. You know, I chair the Solitary Confinement Board. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. But um, the work that these folks are doing, they are out in these streets. So talk about uh, this particular panel that's coming up tomorrow, post-convention. I, I like the title of it, Post-Conviction Legal Advocacy, Jailhouse Lawyers and Appellate Defense Attorneys. Unpack that a little bit, if you would. Yeah, definitely. So one of the co-founders of the project is a man named Calvin Duncan, who spent nearly 30 years at Angola um, serving a sentence for a crime that he didn't commit. And during his time while he was there, he became what is, what's called an inmate counsel. So it's another, it's an incarcerated person who takes on a role usually in like the law library of the prison, if they have that, which Connecticut prisons do not, um, and helps people figure out how to advocate for their cases. So they may help them find other case law that's relevant, figure out if something went wrong in their case that they can challenge. And so Calvin Duncan did that for other people for decades. And eventually, he, you know, so we, we, we think about lawyers on the outside, but there are a lot of folks who don't have formal legal training, who have a lot of legal expertise that they really sort of figured out on their own to help themselves and, and, and other people who they're locked up with. And so after 28 years, Calvin actually won his own exoneration, proof that he was innocent wow. and had to come home. And so it's Calvin and Marcus Concar, who's a sociologist at um, Loyola, who put this project together. And so this panel is really about thinking about that world of legal workers who are trying to help people get out of prison, have um, issues with their cases fixed. And some of them are formally trained lawyers on the outside. Some of them are jailhouse lawyers on the inside. And some of them are actually former jailhouse lawyers who've gotten out and gone to law school and either are or are becoming lawyers. Wow. Um, and so it's really, I'm really excited to have this conversation. Everyone in this conversation is directly impacted, formerly incarcerated, speaking from direct experience. And as we're trying to figure out how to reduce our prison populations and how to move to a different world, if those aren't the folks who are at the center of the conversation, we're really not doing something right. And mm. so I'm really excited, especially for that panel tomorrow morning at 10. I, I wish I could be there. Like, I wish I could move this show around because I would love to be in that room to hear all of that. The The, the second panel is uh, uh, full of people that I know. <laughs> From, uh, <laughs> uh, this, well, the wait, 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 the third panel. That was the 
second panel. The third yeah. panel is from 11.15 to 12.15, mass incarceration, racial injustice, and opportunities for relief. Now unpack that a little bit, because that's a lot too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really a conversation that is meant to be about sort of like the ways that it really, it's like government entities that have gotten us to this place of mass incarceration, right? We think of these are police, prisons, prosecutors, those are all like we're all, all our tax money collectively, we're paying for that to happen. Um, and there's so much that we know about how these false ideas about race and racial stereotypes are part, are part of the reason why the system looks the way it does, right? Disproportionately black and brown people. Um, and yet we live in a world where there's so few opportunities to get back into court or to have those things considered after you've been convicted of a crime. And so the people who are on this panel are really spending their life's work is to, to, to prevent that from continuing to happen. Um, Jennifer Taylor, who directs the Arthur Lyman Center here at, at Yale Law, um, who's also a Yale Law School alum, spent a decade doing this kind of work as a senior attorney at the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama. And so she'll be leading a conversation with, again, all folks who are deep in this work. Um, there's uh, Bidish Sarma, who's a, who um, is a lifelong defense lawyer who actually moved into a prosecutor's office in New Orleans specifically to, to look back into cases of people who like their sentences were too long. And so there, he's part of the reason and his office is part of the reason why there are folks who are interviewed in the visiting room project in Angola who are actually now home. They've been released from prison. Um, and then Alex Tobbs is a local lawyer who does a lot of the same kind of civil rights work here. Mm -hmm. uh, Salters is actually one of his clients who um, was also exonerated. He was convicted here in New Haven of a, of a crime he didn't commit. And now he's back home and he's engaged in work to keep helping folks who are still on the inside. And Professor Miriam Gahara is doing similar work um, through a clinic with Yale Law students. And so it's really a conversation about avenues for relief that people are pushing for, for their clients in Connecticut and in Louisiana. And and all, and these panels, tomorrow's panels are at Next Haven. The evening panels are at Next Haven. The morning, okay. panels, the morning panels are at that. Are at 53 Wall Street, which is yes. a campus building. Yes, I, I know it well, because I've, I've been in there for other things. Yeah, the uh, auditorium is beautiful. And then uh, the fourth panel is community support for those confined in prison. And, and this is moderated by uh, Professor Foreman uh, with panelists, uh, Jimmy Robinson, who we adore, mm -hmm. um, the TVRP ambassador, Daryl Waters, um, and, Ray, uh, and Ray Boyd, who mm -hmm. is a uh, program manager for yes. RJC. Yes, he's a pro he's a program manager here at the Racial Justice Center. Um, and so this is a conversation where James will be talking to folks who were, were serving life sentences and are now home um, about their journeys. Uh, it's, it's a nice uh, coincidence that one of the Visiting Room Project interviewees, which is Jimmy Robinson, he's actually, you know, he's a New Havener um, who was in Louisiana when he, when he was incarcerated and has come back home. And so one of the things that the Racial Justice Center wants to be is wants to be involved in here in New Haven is thinking about like how many of our neighbors are incarcerated and what what could we be doing to support them and what could we be doing to create a community where we don't need to lock up our neighbors. Um, and to be able to have that conversation with someone who is one of our own 
and experienced incarceration, uh, we're really excited about that conversation um, and also to hear how his experiences and Daryl and Ray's experiences are similar, how they're different, and, and what sorts of supports have been helpful coming home. And then uh, the fifth panel, uh, and I think the final panel, mm -hmm. uh, is we all have a role to play. We all have a, uh, we all have a role uh, to play uh, disrupting mass incarceration. And this is uh, moderated by uh, Dwayne Betts, the Freedom Reads founder and executive director. And this panel, which I, I don't know how you got all these amazing people. I mean, I know how you got them because yeah. you're amazing. Um, uh, uh, Marcus Kondakar, Kondakar uh, mm -hmm. from the, the TVRP co-founder. Barbara Fair, yes. uh, Stop Solitary Connecticut. Uh, Nicholas Dawadoff, who I adore, adore, adore. Uh, author of The Other Side of Prospect. Molly Crabapple, artist and illustrator of the TVRP. Uh, introductory video. So, so talk a little bit about this because this is an interesting cast of characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it really is a group of people who have expertise that and and experience that's not like formal legal training, right? And yet, uh, their work has been really instrumental, really important in getting people to have a different understanding about prisons and in, in, in um, being in solidarity with folks who are on the inside and helping us to reduce our prison populations. All the things that you might say, oh, well, that's what lawyers do. Actually, a lot of that change requires really powerful storytelling um, and figuring out ways to sort of change narratives about incarceration, about incarcerated people. And all of these people have done that in very different ways, right? Marcus is a sociologist, Barbara is an activist and organizer, Nikki's an author, and Molly's an artist. And I think it's a really helpful way to think about how every single one of us, regardless of what our talents are, could put those talents to work towards disrupting mass incarceration. And who better to talk to us about than this group of folks, as you said, we're really excited to have them all there. All right. So tell me about the planning of this. How, when you, how did you wake up one day and say, you know what, this is what we need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So actually Marcus and Calvin reached out because they were, they wanted to do events that um, around the country to make sure people knew about their project. And it just seems like a no brainer to, instead of doing a small event to really make it a series of community conversations and, you know, at the Racial Justice Center, everything that we do has a local connection. Um, and so bringing in folks who are doing this work here, you can't do all that in like one evening. And so it's sort of naturally developed into multiple conversations over multiple days, an opportunity for the Visiting Room Project ambassadors to travel. Um, many of them are on probation and, and are only allowed to leave the state for for specific reasons. So coming here and, and being able to speak from their own experience um, is, is a big deal. Uh, and so it just sort of emerged from that. And I think the other thing we haven't talked about yet are the other two exhibits that are part of the, the symposium. Um, so for folks who are coming to the panel this evening, right outside of the AFAM house, there are two kiosks that are um, touchscreen and interactive. And you can actually watch some of the videos from the Visiting Room Project right there on the screen. Um, and that's part of what we wanted. We wanted people to be able to just be walking around campus and come into contact with these videos and be able to have a face-to-face -face of sorts conversation with someone serving a really long prison sentence. Wow. I I I am um I am fascinated by this. So um 
will, will you make this an ongoing symposium or biannual symposium? Like what, what do you imagine you want for this? Yeah, so part of the reason that the evening panels are, they have like a dinner reception in between where we'll be serving food and people can talk and mingle is that we really want like, like conversations to grow out of this and work to keep going. And so we're very open to seeing what this sparks organically here in New Haven and in Connecticut statewide. Um, and so it's a good question. And it's one that we wanna develop in conversation with you in conversation with other people who come um, to the events over today and tomorrow. Mm. Uh, now, um, do you think, it, it, can, can I say, is it safe to say that people will come away from this symposium inspired and and wanting to roll up their sleeves even further and do more work or like what 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 do you want people because I'm sure there'll be people who are coming who are not in this universe per se mm -hmm. and might be curious to sort of like oh I want to know what this is you know I, I know something about incarceration but I don't really know what are you hoping people will take away yeah it's exactly what you said it's you know a sense of like in order to be a good neighbor, I need to know like, who are my people? Who are the people in my community who are locked up either in a jail or a prison? And like, what do I know about that experience? What is it like to be at the Whaley Avenue jail? What is it like to be in prison in Connecticut? And are there, are there things about how the prisons are running, how my money is being spent as a taxpayer that I wanna get involved in changing? Um, and there are a lot of folks, I think, you know, almost always when there's some new thing that you want to get involved in, there's already an organizer who's been doing this work for a very long time and would love to have more people get on board. And mm. so I'm hoping that people who've been in this fight for a long time feel re-energized and people who know that they think there's a problem but aren't quite sure what to do have a path forward for how they can get engaged and um, and get involved. Mm. So, um, how old is the the Law and Racial Justice Center? This is a fairly new. Yeah, we're still a baby. Yeah, we started in January of last year. Oh, that's, so, that's very brand spanking new. <laughs> and so, and what is the mission and the goal of of the center? Yeah, we really want to bring our full community into conversation and into action um, around uh, two main issues. One is educational equity. And the other is our over-reliance on the criminal legal system. Um, and so I think a lot of those conversations are happening all the time in Connecticut, um, but they're often happening in silos and in silos that like folks are folks at Yale are often contributing to, right? So organizers are talking to organizers, academics are talking to academics, but we're not having those conversations across those lines, even though our community is made up of people across all those lines. And so the Racial Justice Center is really trying um, to create spaces where we can all be in community together and programs can sort of grow out of that. And that's really how the Access to Law School program got started. You know, it was James hearing from his neighbors and community members about wanting to go to law school, but not really having, not knowing like how to make that happen. Um, and he was teaching an inside out class where half of his students were Yale law students and half were incarcerated in Connecticut. So the class would happen at the prison. And students would take this, this legal class and, and want to then figure out like, oh, can I become a lawyer when I leave prison? And like the technical answer was yes, but unless you have a community of people to help you get there, the effective answer is, is no, right? And so 
the program really grew out of those organic conversations in relationship with people and James and law students back in 2020 saying, well, wait, all of us just figured out how to successfully go to law school. So if there's one thing we can do, it's help other people <laughs> go to law school. Um, and so those sort of like organic, right where you are projects are what we're really interested in here. Mm -hmm. And so what attracted you to this whole array of, uh, what attracted you to this, to this program, to the center and, and to this work? Yeah, so I spent, I went to college at Yale. And so I was here in like very formative years of my life and really had a wonderful experience. Um, and then had spent some time teaching public school and then was an attorney in, in Alabama. And a lot of the work I was doing there was sort of public education in a lot of communities around the country and supporting them and figuring out what they wanted to do locally. And that was work that I really loved. And I wanted to be, it came to a point where I was like, well, I want to be doing it in a community as opposed to like helping people around the country. And I feel like I learned a lot from that experience. And so when I was thinking about making a transition and wanting to do the same kind of work, but hyper local, New Haven just made sense. It was like my first home outside of my home in Atlanta. Um, it was a place that had given a lot to me. And I had a connection to an institution that I didn't think was doing enough to be a good neighbor in its community. And this was my opportunity to do something about that. Mm. Well, the Law and Racial Justice Center presents Facing Life, featuring the Visiting Room Project, uh, co-sponsors the Freedom Reads, uh, the Lyman, Lemon? The Lyman Center, yep. The Lyman Center, uh, and the Afro-American Cultural Center. And it all kicks off today. And uh, you can register. Uh, I don't know if Harry could put up the, the link, but uh, it's all on social media. Like it's everywhere on social media. Uh, and so it kicks off tonight uh, at 6.30, from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Um, and you are the moderator for to, for the very first uh, panel. So appreciate you coming. Is there one last thing that you want people to know? Because I, I said I would only keep you for 15 to 20 minutes. So. Oh, it, this has been wonderful. It's always <laughs> great to talk to you. Um, and registration is still open. So we'd love to see you. Even if you don't get a chance to register, you should absolutely feel welcome to come. Um, like Bab said, all the information is, is on social media, which has links to, to, to the information about the agenda. Um, and so we're just really excited and, and look forward to seeing folks today and tomorrow. Mm. Mm. Yes, Harry, that's the that's that Google Doc that I because I couldn't find I was trying to find a picture that I could lift, Kayla. And y'all are so tight with your work, I couldn't, I could not pull it. <laughs> trying to get a lot of work into a small space. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I guess, I guess they don't want me to snatch it. I'm just gonna put up the the Google, the registration part. And uh and that works. So there you go. Perfect. The registration for facing life, uh law and racial justice center. And I, I'm very excited. I'm going to catch as much of this as I can over the next uh, day or so. And uh, I, I so appreciate you coming on, Kayla, in short notice. Uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful idea. And I'm just so grateful that it's happening in New Haven and, and with people that I admire and respect. So thank you so much for that. Yes, we're very excited. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now enjoy the rest of your day. And I, I'll see you in a little bit. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> see you later. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Bye. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. So, yeah, so I'll see her in a minute because 
I'm uh, I'm doing a walk. I don't know how much walking we're going to do today because it's, it's like less than 30 degrees outside, but we'll see. We're going to make it work. It's all going. It's all going. Listen, I'm a big proponent of it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. And uh, forgive the the red eyes. Uh, they are a little bit irritated. I have to put drops in at night. And uh, sometimes uh, sometimes they just hang in a little longer. Uh, they don't wash out overnight. So it'll just take a little bit longer for my eyes to wash back out. So anyway, uh, so yeah, thank you, Kayla Vinson. That was a that was a wonderful conversation. I appreciate her jumping on. And I know she got lots to do today. <laughs> so I appreciate that. So I don't know if Paul is out there in these cold, mean streets in New Haven with his open-toed Birkenstocks on. I don't know, Harry. I don't know if Paul is out there, but um, he is welcome to uh, get me some of this um, word on the street because uh, it's a cold day. And uh, a cold day in the spring just jolts everybody forward. Like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. I thought I, was, I thought I was trying to put away my sweaters and coats. And Mother Nature was like, yeah, I think not. <laughs> I think not. So anyway, uh, oh, let me tell you, I was over at, um, uh, I think um, the new exhibit over at the Ely Center uh, opens up this weekend. Uh, I think it's curated by uh, Kim Weston. So if y'all are around town, even though I know they got drama going on in the background at Ely Center, the artists do not. So uh, so if you have, have a presence of mind to get over there and check out, what's going on at the Ely Center. Um, and they're all over social media too. Uh, Kim Weston has uh, put all kinds of good stuff out there and I want people to go and uh, uh, check it out. So you won't be disappointed because uh, uh, Dulio has a piece, some pieces in it and the fabulous um, um, Linda Meekins has has her beautiful work over there. So uh and, and I mentioned Linda because she showed up yesterday to Possible Futures to take the uh, the bench, to take the bench that was sitting in there um, uh, and brought uh, the newly commissioned bench uh, for Possible Futures, which is a smaller, on a smaller scale, but equally beautiful. And uh, I posted up some pictures of them moving it in yesterday. So if, you, if you're on social media, uh, you will... Uh, you will see it. And uh, it's a beautiful new bench. So, so go and sit down. <laughs> Have possible futures. A new bench. A new bench. So, so Paul, are you out there? I'm just trying to hold space for you because I know it's cold and you out there doing your thing. I want to be, I want to be mindful of that. Um, I don't have, I don't have anything, I guess not until 10, 15. And then tomorrow I finish up uh, Women's History Month with my great love Patty Russo from the Campaign School at Yale, and uh, and she is getting ready for uh, the summer, the weekly, the week long um, summer immersion. So uh, uh, at that that happens on Yale at the law school, the Yale Law School. So uh, so if you ever wanted to run a print campaign, get ready for a campaign, work on a campaign, know something about a campaign, the Campaign School is for you, baby. <laughs> I've done it. My friends have done it. You should do it. People have done it from all over the country. Some of the most high-powered women holding office right now have done it. So, and uh, I want you to, uh, I want you to uh, uh, 
tune in and see how you could be a part of it. So anyway, uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Uh, that is, so I've got, I, I, as I said to y'all yesterday, Lord have mercy. Uh, uh, um, I've got a lot of events that I'm going to try to run through. Yeesh. I don't know how I'm going to pull this off, but I'm going to do it. And we're going to see. And uh, I want to, because I want to be a, in this symposium. I want to catch a lot of the symposium. And I have a good girlfriend who's having a birthday. And then I have uh, uh, Sha and and Juanita. And, uh, uh, and them are doing their poetry thing. Um, the millennial women, those powerful millennial uh, curators are getting together and uh, doing a, a poetry thing at uh, Orchid. So I'm going to try to slide through there um, as best I can to support the work that they do because you got to support these. You know, we want these young people, uh, we want these young people to sort of have agency over what they curate and what they present. And we have to support that. And I'm here for it because let me tell you something. I do not want to be in the storm for the rest of my days. I got a very limited amount of time as we as we all do. And I know exactly how I'm trying to. Now, I, I don't have a plan. Like, I'm not trying to make plans because, you know, when you make plans, God rearranges that. He's like, oh, you think you got a plan, Babs? Let me show you some. Let me show you my sense of humor. <laughs> God don't play it. So I'm not saying I have a plan. I have ideas. <laughs> I have I have ideas of what I want to do. And I and I I tell you, I do want to be an attorney. When I when I when I when I'm talking in these spaces with like Kayla and and my other my cohort, uh I feel I feel it in my spirit, the call to to this work. Uh, and I also still feel the call to to uh, to the divinity school. I I feel that, but uh, and and I and I'm not gonna I'm not going to uh, uh, worry concern myself with oh I didn't get in this time or whatever. That 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 is not it. I I have learned in my life all things in God's time, and so there's no sense in me fretting. I, my feelings was hurt, not hurt like. Why didn't they pick me? But like her, because I wanted them to see my passion about this. And I felt like they didn't see it. You know, or maybe they saw it and was like, okay, well, not right now. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even want to do that kind of thinking about it. This is what I know. All things are, are, are in God's time. And, and y'all heard me say this. If I have to struggle with something, a decision or a path, that is not, the path or the decision I ought to be making. I'm clear about that. When things are smooth and I ascend to things, that is the path. God didn't say, I need you to struggle with everything. I've already had people wrestling with stuff. Now, all you got to do is just walk in your, in your purpose. That's really what it is. And so I'm, I think I'm walking in my purpose. <laughs> and I, and there's a lot of paths to my purpose. I don't have just one path. And and listen, that's not to bemoan people who, who got one singular thing that they ever wanted to do and are doing it. That's not what I'm saying. I, I just know for me, 
there's many, many paths, many, many paths. And listen, I want to turn this world over to these young people. I want them to organize. Uh, yes, Ife, we're going to pass the torch and and because these young sisters are on fire and we want them to be on fire and we want to keep the fire going for them. And, and we are happy to sort of sit and give them counsel and make suggestion, uh, but I want them to go run with it. I do. I want them to, uh, you know, when I look at the struggles and the fights and the and all the, the things, I was like, yeah, this is for young people. This is for young people. It is time. It is their turn. And I'm happy, happy to give it to them <laughs> because there's things that I want to chase uh, that I, before time runs out. And I have all the time in the world. So there's that part, you know, but I, I, I know better. So, uh, so I'm doing all the things that I want to do every, every, as many of them as I humanly can get done, you know, and, 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 uh, and it's good to have a, a, a tribe of, of sister friends who, uh, who are equally on their own journeys and, are, are saying, you know what, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not waiting for validation. I'm not waiting for permission. <laughs> I'm not waiting to be green-lighted. I'm going to go do the thing. <laughs> I'm going to go do the thing. I'm going to go do the thing. I'm going to go do the thing. And, uh, and that's where we are. So I, I feel everything about that. You know, I feel everything about that. So, so anyway, so I don't know if Paul's going to jump on and give us some word on the street. I'm hoping that he will, but it's cold outside. So I don't know. Uh, I told him he could. And then at 1015, I've got uh, Janet coming back on and we'll have a good conversation. And uh, I'm excited. I mean, this is a good day and it's bright out. Although I think it's gonna rain tomorrow. It's gonna be a rainy day tomorrow. So, uh, but you know, we need the rain. Because the rain brings the spring flowers. And if we want to see spring flowers, then we got to get some rain in, you know. And speaking of gardens, uh, I'm, I'm starting one around the corner for me at Butler uh, at my, my good friend Sophie's house. <laughs> a raised garden. Because I'm not trying to get down low on the ground. I'm not doing that. So I'm going to give me a, uh, I'm going to erect a, a high, high rise garden. Because I want a garden. And I don't have a yard to garden in. Like, I'm not going to. Um, this backyard is uh, uh, used for a lot of things where I live now. So I'm not going to put a garden there, but she has a, a, a beautiful space and I could put a garden and she's, she has invited me to grow whatever I like um, in her yard. So that's what I'm going to do. So I, I have to start thinking about that and, uh, and uh, order the, my uh, raised bed and dirt and all the things and then uh, start uh, creating a garden and see See what it yields me. See what it, so I, I want to be one of these ladies that gardens. <laughs> I, I garden when I lived on Bellevue. When my when my when uh, Margot and Gregory first went to Common Ground, and Gregory just had to have a garden, just had to have one. So we put one in, and we grew. Uh, oh, we grew. What did we grow? Oh, we grew the most beautiful eggplant, <laughs> and a gazillion strawberries, and I think we grew uh, peppers and. Uh, I mean, we grew some lettuce, stuff like that. And uh, I mean, it was great. And uh, and every day we'd run out there and like, look. <laughs> uh, uh, so so it was, it was very beautiful. 
very beautiful garden. Uh, and we did it for like a couple of years. And then I was like, okay, I've had enough of this gardening. Um, uh, but his freshman and sophomore year, common ground, we, we had a garden in the backyard, you know, just a small plot, no, nothing, nothing big. But, and, and then that first year we put so many things in it. Like we, we overloaded it and no one told us. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we just, it was just like a cornucopia stuff. We just grew, we grew watermelon. I mean, we just had all kinds of stuff. And, and, you know, it was just crowded. Like everything was just like on top of each other. And I was like, oh, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to give everything some room. We were just growing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and it was fun. They loved it. They loved, they loved it. Uh, and then we put the strawberries in. The strawberries jumped out of the raised bed and went along the fence. So we had strawberries forever and ever and ever. And the squirrels would just eat, like everything would just come eat them. So they would get out there early in the morning and try to get them like one or two strawberries. <laughs> before the before the wild animals ate them, you know. I was like, okay. And then we ended up pulling out the strawberries because they just they just went wild. Like they just took over the yard. It's like, and then you know, the more strawberries you have in the yard, the more animals you have in the yard, you know, all kinds of animals. I was like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I like the bunnies. I draw the line at the other things. So, uh, so yeah. So that 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 was my foray into gardening. <laughs> so I'm back. I'm gonna be back at it, and uh, and uh, I have to remember because uh, I, I my aunt my aunt Betty used to always have a uh, 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 a garden she always was growing stuff and uh and uh she was always growing stuff and so i always was around plants and flowers and stuff i'm sorry i was distracted uh, because uh i was uh when i was reading something that caught my eye and i was like what but now i get it so anyway uh that's it uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna have a garden. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm gonna go get my bike fixed so I can ride it around the corner. <laughs> my little pink bike that my, my crazy son took apart. So I'm gonna go ride my bike and, uh, and ride to her house and, and be cute. And, and I'd like to do it early in the morning because, you know, gardening is an early morning kind of vibe. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. I, I have ideas. I don't have a plan. I have ideas. I have a thought. I have a thought. I'm going I'm to take my thoughts on the road and see what happens. So anyway, uh, as we get ready for uh, uh, Janet and her book, um, Janet Garcia Hallett, you know, uh, and she is uh, uh, Afro-Latina. Um, and so it'd be good to follow up and have more conversation with her. I enjoyed my time with her at uh, Possible Futures, a salon. It was well-received. Lots of folks came and uh, uh, it was a good conversation. And I, I appreciated her time and her care. And, uh, and so, so this is just a continuation of that. So I'm, I'm pleased as pie. <laughs> ah, ah. 
So, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, I got like four minutes, four minutes before we break. And I, I'm trying to think, what did I, did I watch anything on the news? Am I catching anything? Am I missing something? Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, is there, and is there anything that's pressing? Oh, oh, Lord. Uh, um, Again, my hearts and prayers are are are, are with the the latest shooting here in America, uh, where you know these three children and three educators were killed by a woman who, uh, you know, I knew they were just waiting for the right person with confirmed mental illness to sort of hang their hat on this. See, it's people with mental illness. Mental illness is the problem. It's not guns. Guns are not the problem. It's mental illness is the problem. And, and you know, uh, so they were waiting for the right sort of person that they could base their conversations around. And, and this woman, uh, 28-year-old woman, is is just the sort that they like to sort of say, well, you know what, her, her, her parents questioned her and she sold some guns. Yeah, but she ended up getting more guns. She had a whole plan. Like she had a whole plan a whole plan and she just went undetected <coughs> you know we we readily ban books and books don't kill nobody we're banning drag queens drag queens are not killing anybody but we just seem to have a hard time when it comes to guns <laughs> you know but somehow or other we can't ban guns because guns are just not dangerous but books, on the other hand, are dangerous as hell, you know, because books are dangerous. <laughs> we, we don't want to corrupt these young minds <laughs> or any mind. We don't we don't want to fill it with uh, intelligence and w global thinking. No. Um, don't you wouldn't you rather have a gun, little kid? Like, wouldn't you rather you really want this book? Wouldn't you rather have a gun? <laughs> here let me give you a lollipop and a gun Get the book the book is dangerous <laughs> you shouldn't be playing with those with those kinds of books no 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 have a gun and a cookie <laughs> that's essentially what we're saying in america have a gun and a cookie <laughs> No, Lee, no, no, no. We're going to take these dangerous books out of your way. We don't even want you to have access. <laughs> God forbid. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't. Well, here, have a gun and a cookie. Are you opening a bank account? Oh, let me give you a debit card and a gun. Because, you know, it's it's the American way. <laughs> But oh, let me let me wrestle that book out of your hands. Let me let me go and clean sweep your library. Let me search high and low in your library spaces and your classroom spaces for banned books. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, we came across guns. Oh, don't you worry about those. Oh, guns for everyone. Don't worry, have one. 
Yeah, you know, pretty soon they're gonna put they're gonna put guns in baskets and just leave them uh, in in the public square. They're like, uh, you know how you see these things that say, "Take one, take what you need," because that's really what we're saying. Anyway, I'll be back. <laughs> Hi, this is Babs Rawls Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. While COVID may not stop a baby's heart, isn't a child with a rising fever, cough, and chills enough to make your heart skip a beat? Children are 19% of reported COVID cases with higher rates in Hispanic and Black children. Vaccinated six months to five-year-olds are 80% less likely to get COVID, which means 80% healthier New Haven one-year-olds and 100% happier New Haven parents. To learn more, visit nhbvax.org. Let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder. Damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm. I hook a beat up, convert it into hip hop form. Write a rhyme and graffiti in every show you see me in. Deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. Jokers are wild if you wanna be tame. I treat you like a child. Then you're gonna be named Another enemy Not even a friend of me Cause you'll get fried in the end When you pretend to be competing Cause I just put your mind on pause And I complete when You compare my rhyme with yours I wake you up And as I stare in your face You seem stunned Remember me The one you got your idea from But soon you start to suffer The tuna get rougher When you start to stutter That's when you had enough of Fighting it'll make you choke You can't provoke You can't cope You should've broke Because I ain't no joke You're expressing the rhyme that I'm styling. This is what we all sit down to write. You can't make it, so you take it home, break it, and bite. Use pieces and bits of all my hip hop hits. Get the style down, packed in. It's time to switch. Put my tape on pause and add some more to yours. Then you figure you're ready for the next.